Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. Welcome back to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole. Today, we're going to be talking about taxes. And taxes are one of the more confusing aspects of finance, I think, maybe for maybe for everyone. And specifically, we're going to be talking about one of the more confusing aspects of the confusing subject of tax. So what my goal is today is my goal is to help simplify this as much as possible. Because within taxes, a lot of people, they want to know, how do capital gains work? There's the ordinary income tax, there's capital gains tax. And a lot of people, they ask the question of can a capital gain, so if I invest and grow my money, I have a capital gain, do capital gain taxes push me into a higher tax bracket? So that's the topic for today's episode. And before I go much further, a lot of us, we know how generally how taxes work. There's a progressive tax rate, the first $19,900 of taxable income, if you're married, finally, jointly for 2021, it's taxed at 10%. The next amount from 19,900 to 81,050, it's taxed at 12%. The next amount above that, it's taxed at 22%, and then 24, 32, 35, 37. Those are the ordinary income tax brackets. We also know that capital gains usually have better taxes. So if you invest and you hold an investment for more than one year, you pay a lower tax on that when you realize that gain than if you were to hold that investment for under a year and you pay a lower tax than you would just an ordinary income as a whole. So the long-term capital gains tax rates, they range between zero, 15%, and 20% at the federal level. So because there's so many numbers and because there's so many thresholds that we need to be aware of, what I've actually done is created a, a table and created a chart, I should say, that just outlines all this. What are ordinary income tax brackets? What are capital gains tax brackets? What are the different amounts that you need to know for all these things? I've created a tax sheet for all these numbers that you need to know for 2021. So before this episode, if you want to download that and have that available as you listen along, or if after this episode, you want to download that just for a summary of some of the numbers that we're going to be talking about, I have made that available. And you can find that at readyforretirement.co. So that's a podcast website, readyforretirement.co. Click on podcast and then find the episode called Can Capital Gains Push Me Into a Higher Tax Bracket? If you click on that episode, in the show notes, there's going to be a link to this tax sheet. And this tax sheet, again, is going to summarize everything from ordinary income tax brackets, capital gains tax brackets, different income eligibility for things like IRAs, Roth IRAs. It's going to have all the important numbers you need to know for taxes for 2021. So download that. That will be a great resource because as we're going through these numbers today, there will be a lot of numbers, and I just want to make sure that you have the ability to go back and have something to reference as, as you see how you might be able to apply some of this to you. All right, so let's get started. We know, as I mentioned, how ordinary income taxes work. The more you earn, the higher the tax bracket you go into. We also generally know how capital gains tax brackets work, where if you hold an investment for longer than a year, you pay one tax bracket or you pay one tax rate. And if you hold an investment that you sell before one year, you pay a higher tax on some of those gains. Where the confusion comes in is how do capital gains taxes impact ordinary income taxes and vice versa? So if I were to invest in a stock and that stock goes up in value and I sell it, does the gain from that impact how much I owe on my normal income, on my salary, or any other wages that we have? So the good news, before we jump in and give a more nuanced answer, 
is no. The good news here is capital gains are taxed separately from ordinary income. So if you realize a gain on an investment, and this investment could be buying and selling a stock or a mutual fund or real estate even, any gains on that is taxed completely separately from ordinary income. So that's the good news. It's not going to push you into higher ordinary income tax bracket. Now, they do impact each other. They do impact one another. So let's go through what that looks like. When you do realize a capital gain, what it does impact is it impacts your adjusted gross income. So your adjusted gross income is just your total income from different sources. Maybe you have a salary. That's going to be included in your adjusted gross income. You might have capital gains. That's included in your adjusted gross income. Any interest income, that's included. So capital gains do absolutely increase your adjusted gross income. And why that matters is your adjusted gross income is what determines things like eligibility for IRAs. So are you eligible to put money into a traditional IRA or Roth IRA? Well, the way the IRS determines that is they look at your adjusted gross income. And once you cross certain certain thresholds, you're no longer eligible for that. So although capital gains don't impact your ordinary income brackets, they do increase your adjusted gross income. So keep that in mind. Other things that your adjusted gross income impacts are things like certain itemized deductions. So as your adjusted gross income rises, you lose the ability to itemize certain deductions. So although capital gains don't impact your ordinary income, once again, the more your adjusted gross income increases, which capital gains do increase, you may be limited in your ability to itemize certain things. Your adjusted gross income determines any net investment income tax, which essentially is another income tax on investment income above and beyond capital gains. Your adjusted gross income impacts Medicare surcharges. So while while capital gains does not impact ordinary income, it does impact your adjusted gross income, which determines eligibility for certain things and impacts other types of taxes. What it does not impact, as we've already mentioned, is ordinary income. So let's look at just an example. What does that mean? Well, if you're earning an income, and let's assume before any capital gains, you're in the 24% tax bracket. So you have a salary, your salary is coming in, and based upon that amount, you're in the 24% marginal federal tax bracket. The good news is no amount of long-term capital gains will push you into a higher tax bracket. So if you bought Apple stock 20 years ago and you sell it and you have a gain of $400,000, it's not going to push you into a higher ordinary income tax bracket. You're not going to bump from the 24% tax bracket to the 32% tax bracket or higher. So that's the good news. Now, one quick side note, but a very important side note on this is this is specifically long-term capital gains. If you have a short-term capital gain, So if instead of buying Apple 20 years ago, you bought Apple less than one year ago and have a significant gain on it, short-term capital gains don't qualify for the better or for the more preferential tax treatment. Short-term capital gains are just taxed as ordinary income. So that would be layered on top of your normal ordinary income tax. And that could push you from the 24% tax bracket up to 32 or higher, depending on how much ordinary income you had from that short-term capital gain. So very important, but quick side note here is this is just talking about long-term capital gains. Short-term capital gains are treated the same exact way the income would be. So just to summarize this one more time, because people want to make sure I'm perfectly crystal clear when I say this, because they want to make sure they have the right information, I'll say it one more time. When you realize a long-term capital gain, it will not impact your ordinary income. You won't be taxed higher on your ordinary income just because you're realizing a capital gain regardless of how high that capital gain is. So that is good to know. It's important to know. Let's now jump into some planning points to see how can you use this knowledge to help improve your financial situation. Here is a unique planning point. So if you're looking at capital gains, if you are married filing jointly when you file your tax return, 
If your income, if your taxable income is $80,800 or less, your capital gain tax rate is 0%. If your taxable income is $80,800 or is between $80,800 and $501,600, you pay 15% on any capital gains that you earn. And if your or, or if your taxable income is over $501,600, then you pay 20% capital gains on any gains realized above that or any gains above that when your taxable income is $501,600 or more. So what does this tell us? Well, number one, there are, for a lot of people, there are sometimes some significant ways to pay 0% in capital gains. So if you're married and your taxable income is $80,800 or less, any gains that you realize, you pay 0% taxes on, at least at the federal level. Now, state, depending on what state you're in, they might tax capital gains differently. California, for example, where I am, California doesn't recognize a difference between capital gains and ordinary income. They're all taxed at the same rate. So keep that in mind. But at the federal level, you would pay 0% capital gains taxes. So how does this work? Well, if it's your taxable income that needs to be less than 80800 what taxable income is, is it's your adjusted gross income minus deductions. Just kind of a simple way to get close to what your taxable income is going to be. So an example is let's assume that you are retired. And let's assume that your income is $80,000 and that that $80,000 is just all coming from an IRA. So you have $80,000 per year coming in. And let's assume that you have deductions of $30,000. So you itemize your deductions and those total $30,000. Well, in this case, your taxable income would be $50,000. $80,000 of income minus the $30,000 of deductions, your taxable income is $50,000. Now keep in mind the threshold is you pay 0% in capital gains taxes up to $80,800 of taxable income. So if you're sitting here today at $50,000, like in this example, you could realize up to $30,800 of capital gains and pay 0% in federal income tax on that. You still might pay state taxes, depending on what state you're in, but there are no federal taxes. This is great. And a lot of people, they don't know this. And a lot of people in retirement, they have incomes underneath that threshold. They have a taxable income underneath that threshold and they have capital gains. In every year that goes by that they don't realize some of those gains, they are actually missing out on an opportunity to sell a gain, to realize what is usually a taxable event and pay nothing on taxes on it at the federal level. So this is a great opportunity for many people. Now you might ask, well, what if, what if I accidentally realize $31,000 of capital gains, James? You know, in this example, this couple could realize 30,800 of capital gains. What if I do this, but on accident, I realize too much and the gains come out to $31,000. Does that mean that I lose the ability to pay 0% capital gains taxes on all that? No, 30,800 would be still tax-free at the federal level. So 0% tax on that first $30,800. It would just be the $200 above that that would now be taxed at 15%, which is the next tax bracket up for capital gains. So what you're getting here is this is, in many cases, a huge opportunity for a lot of people to say, if your income is under a certain threshold, your taxable income is underneath a certain threshold, that is usually a great year to see if you can realize some of these capital gains. There's so much talk in investing about gain-loss harvesting. You'll hear that a lot. Let's realize losses in our investment portfolio and our stock portfolio because we can write off those losses against ordinary income up to 3000 per year. Great. That is helpful. But for many people, it is actually gain harvesting that can be more beneficial. Let's realize a specific amount of gains each year or a certain number of gains each year, depending on our taxable income, 
because if you're under certain thresholds, you can do all that and pay nothing in taxes. This benefits you because every year that you do this, you're increasing your cost basis. So your cost basis is stepping up year after year after year. And in the future, any taxes that you would have to pay when you sell those investments, the taxes owed are the difference between what you sell the investment for in the cost basis. So by increasing your cost basis each year and doing this, you are minimizing potential tax liability in the future. And you could potentially keep your taxes to zero depending on your overall tax bracket, depending on the composition of your stock portfolio and in, in, in relation to everything else. But at a minimum, this is a great way to realize some gains and pay taxes at 0% as opposed to 15 or 20% like the other capital gains tax brackets are. So that's one example. Another example is you can use the capital gains tax brackets for Roth conversions. So let's look at another example. Let's say that you retire and maybe today you have a traditional IRA, you have a Roth IRA and you just have a regular stock portfolio. Well, maybe by default, you don't know where to pull money from first in retirement. So you say, you know what? My IRA is the biggest. Maybe that's where you did most of your savings. Maybe you're going to live on that. So you start pulling out $100,000 per year to live on from your IRA. Well, if that's the only income that you have, and if you're married, then you'd be in the 12% tax bracket after deductions. You would fill up the 10% tax bracket, the 10% ordinary income tax bracket. You would fill up most of the 12% ordinary income tax bracket, and that's exactly where you would be. So it's keeping taxes pretty low, which is good. But what if you did some planning, you did some projections, you said, oh my gosh, today I'm in a low tax bracket, but if I continue at this pace, when required minimum distributions begin at age 72, I'm going to have to take out a lot more from my IRAs or 401ks, and I might be pushed up into a significantly higher tax bracket at that time. So you may find that you want to do Roth conversions to avoid that. So move money from your IRA to your Roth IRA today at lower tax brackets, as opposed to waiting until age 72, when you might be forced to take out more than you want to. So you see this and you say, okay, I'm going to convert another $100,000 now from my IRA into my Roth IRA. So you're taking out $100,000 from your IRA to live on, and you're also converting an additional $100,000 from your IRA to your Roth IRA. Well, now all of a sudden, that's $200,000 that you're taking out of your IRA. That's all taxed as an ordinary income, and that pushes you up into the 24% tax bracket, which means you have doubled the marginal tax bracket that you're in. You went up from 12% up to 24%. Well, now all of a sudden, the strategy kind of backfired on you. You're doing conversions with the goal of keeping taxes low in the future, but you kept taxes low in the future by making taxes much higher today and maybe unnecessarily so. So here's another option. Let's say that instead of living on $100,000 from your IRA and converting $100,000 from your IRA to your Roth IRA, what if instead you lived on money from your stock portfolio? So you pulled out $100,000 to live on from your stock portfolio which would be taxed at a maximum of 15%. So anything that you pulled out that was contributions or principal, that's tax-free. And any gains on that would be taxed at 15%, assuming they are long-term capital gains. Then you still took the $100,000 from your IRA, but instead of living on it, that was the amount that you used to convert to your Roth IRA. So you're still able to do that full Roth conversion of $100,000. But the difference in this scenario is instead of bumping up into a 24% tax bracket, because all of your money is coming from just your IRA, which is all subject to ordinary income taxes. Now what you're doing is you're realizing some of your income on one tax bracket, capital gains. In other parts of your income, you're realizing on a separate tax bracket, which is your ordinary income. So what happens now is the $100,000 of income that you took from your stock portfolio that's subject to a max tax rate of 15% because that's taxed according to the capital gains schedule. The $100,000 that you did from your Roth conversion, 
that is now filling up the 10% and 12% tax bracket. So combined now, you're somewhere in between the 12% to 15% tax bracket and probably actually lower when you factor in the fact that some of the proceeds from your stock portfolio would actually be a return of principal. It wouldn't be taxable at all. So what you've done here is you've lived on 100,000 and you've converted 100,000. But because you split that up and did some on one tax schedule and some on another tax schedule that don't overlap and that aren't coordinated or stacked on top of each other, you were able to keep your overall tax bracket significantly lower while still converting 100,000 from your IRA to your Roth IRA. So you've kept taxes low today. You've put yourself in a position where you're not bumping up into a higher tax bracket today. And you're also setting yourself up for future success by starting to move some money from your IRA to your Roth IRA. So these are just a couple examples of how we can say, how we can utilize different tax brackets to our advantage. Because not everything is just subject to one type of taxes where everything stacks on top of each other, we are filling up different tax brackets on different tax schedules or different types of just tax schedules. And in doing so, we're keeping our taxes low today. We're able to prepare for the future through Roth conversions to minimize our taxes in the future. But we're also able to do so by pulling money out of different types of accounts. Instead of jumping into the 24% tax bracket by just using our IRA, we're using the capital gains tax schedule to keep our overall tax bracket lower. So that's another example of how we can use these different tax brackets to our benefit. So if you're looking at this, or if you're listening to this and you're saying, James, this sounds great. How on earth do I know if this this applies to me? When should I start thinking about this? Let's go over a couple of details that you should know. If you are working today and your income is very high, you're probably not going to be able to do some of these strategies that we're talking about here. You're already at a high ordinary income rate. Realizing capital gains or realizing ordinary income, there's not much benefit there. But if you are retired, and if you're retired before your required minimum distribution date, so age 72, oftentimes your income is lower. And you can even manipulate your income to be lower by choosing where you choose to pull funds from. Like we said, instead of pulling everything from an IRA or 401k, for example, do you pull some from there, but also some from your stock portfolio or some from cash? Because you have the option where you pull funds from, you can keep your tax brackets low. So if you're able to do that, that could be a great year to realize some gains and pay nothing in taxes or a lower amount in taxes. Those could be great years to pull more from your stock portfolio or cash portfolio in order to free up room to do more Roth conversions without pushing yourself into a higher tax bracket. That can be a great time. Maybe you are working or you're not retired yet, but you're temporarily unemployed, or maybe it's just a low income for you this year. You know, last year in 2020, COVID hit hard. That was a year where a lot of people's income was a lot lower. Those could be great years if it's if you're temporarily unemployed or if it's a year like last year. Anytime income is low, that could be a time where it makes sense to at least consider realizing any gains from your stock portfolio. Again, just to reiterate, these would be realizing gains outside of any IRAs or 401ks. Inside of an IRA, inside of a Roth IRA, gains aren't taxable to start with. So you can realize as much gains or interest or growth in those accounts, it's all tax deferred. So that's not going to impact you anyways. This is specifically talking about gains inside of non-retirement accounts. So if you have a regular brokerage account, an individual account, a joint account, a trust account, you'll hear them called many different things. But accounts that don't have any tax benefits like IRAs do, that's where you'd look to realize some of these gains. So really any year where your income is lower, you're temporarily unemployed, maybe you're retired and you're able to keep income low based upon where you pull funds from, those are great years to be able to implement some of these strategies. But just to summarize what we talked about, the good news here is capital gains, assuming they're long-term capital gains, 
they do not impact your ordinary income. They're not gonna stack on top of your ordinary income. So if you're at 24% or 32% ordinary income tax bracket and you realize the capital gain, it's not gonna push you higher. That capital gain is subject to a different tax on a different schedule, which is the good news. The other good news is this presents some really incredible planning points, especially in years where income is lower. Let's use these tax brackets to our benefit. Let's realize gains when it makes sense to do so and coordinate your overall financial picture to do this in a way that helps you keep taxes low both today and in the future to manage your overall retirement tax bracket throughout the entirety of your retirement. So that is it. As I mentioned, there's resources on today's show notes page. There's going to be a tax sheet that summarizes all these numbers that we're looking at. You can find that by going to readyforretirement.co clicking on the podcast page, and then finding today's episode. Today's episode is just called Can Capital Gains Push Me Into a Higher Tax Bracket? Find the resource there. There's tons of great information on that. But I hope this was helpful. I hope that resource is helpful. As always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let me know by leaving a five-star review. And as always, for a list of the notes and the resources mentioned in today's episode, you can find those at the Ready for Retirement website, which is readyforretirement.co. That's readyforretirement.co. And if you have a question that you would like for me to answer in a future episode, then you can also go to the Ready for Retirement website, readyforretirement.co. There's a page called Submit Your Question where you can submit a question for me to answer in a future episode. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.